back. Welcome to Film Suck. Um, today we have a great guest, um, William Kinder, uh, who had a, a very brilliant um, career at uh, Pixar as a manager of editing and post-production um, for many, many years, 1996 to 2014, so an 18-year career. Also a very interesting career, which we will get into um, as uh, as an independent filmmaker before and after. But um, we're obviously going to concentrate on his Pixar years because he has he was there as a kind of pioneer right after their first feature Toy Story he was brought in and had uh, all, just a lot of influence over what their um, production and post-production processes were going to be so we're really going to do a deep dive into um, um, what he did, what he brought to the picture, what the phases of Pixar were as far as eras he was really there at the best era, the great pioneering era where they made um, all of their great films. And I'll just list a few of his major credits, but basically he was working on every major feature in that um, long period of time. So Toy Story 2 and 3, Monsters, Inc., Monsters, U, Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wall-E, Up, and a number of others. Um, and he's a real expert in animation um, editing, which is in a very well-known area. And so he's going to talk about that as well. So yeah, we're about to get into that in just a second. And uh, I think I, <laughs> as I promised, since I'm just back from the Venice Film Festival, yeah, I should probably yeah, briefly <laughs> talk about my <laughs> my experiences there. Yeah, just uh, to remind those who didn't listen to the previous episode, um, our guest, uh, guest Todd, um, oh man, how oh, you Todd pronounce? Hughes Todd. and P. David Ebersol. And their yeah, film Tony's was um, House of Cardin, um, all about Pierre Cardin, the, the, the famous futurist fashionista. Yeah, so yeah, the, their documentary was premiering there, and uh, they <laughs> invited us over, but since I was much closer, I was in Moscow, so I, I could actually go. <laughs> right, just a you know, neighboring <laughs> Yeah, like bragging. <laughs> I, I was so close. <laughs> so yeah, so, but that was also like a good kind of reason just to just to go to see the festival that I, I think I was um, I wanted to see it for a while and there was also an art biennial at, at the same time now happening so I checked that one out too which was pretty atrocious oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah the art bi- yeah I, I think people in the is this sort of like it intersects a little bit with the film film world because like actually Venice Film Festival is always part of the uh, art biennial it just because it happens like, just for a week but the biennial goes for I don't know what is it, mm-hmm. four or five months studying in May till till the um, autumn so it's like almost like part of the same kind mm-hmm. of like event circle and I bet people who come to the festival uh, go into mm-hmm. the art thing too but it's just yeah it, it's just the usual thing if you've ever been to any kind of New York or LA gallery you kind of have the idea what's happening at the biennial mm-hmm. it's sort of just like a semi uh a pseudo-intellectual weird installations <laughs> with uh, five paragraphs describing what that is about and why it is extremely important and profound. <laughs> well, while, you go, really? <laughs> well, it's like, uh, all right. <laughs> so most of it was exactly like that. And, you know, and that's like, I, I'm not going to go on my rant, but it's definitely, I, I'm not even fully blaming the artists participating. There are different like, young artists from all over the world and, and their um, their national pavilions. That's what mm-hmm. it's famous for. Like, there's Russian pavilion, Italian, there are all these different pavilions. But then it's, the, the whole idea is I think that artists now are going to push uh, by the schools that they most of them go to uh, into thinking of themselves and into trying to become like actually 
thinkers and intellectuals commenting on some like world events, but in in the form that they whatever in whatever form right. they can do it, which I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even sure it's like they're the strongest in that at least the majority mm, of yeah. them. <laughs> That's why it becomes kind of almost like no. a joke <laughs> at the end. Neither visually strong nor actually it profoundly seems like such a rotten time to be an artist I, I, I mean not that I know a lot about it but yes, my, yes. Uh. I feel I feel I feel for them <laughs> I feel for them and then that's the stuff that actually gets into yeah some sort of attention yeah, yeah. Like and, and, and I guess it is celebrated so who am yeah. I to even <laughs> trash them if it's that's the that's the successful one I yeah. the one I sort yeah. of see there so that's well more power to them yeah. honestly yeah. <laughs> if they can stand the system <laughs> go for it because <laughs> yeah go for it because it's like yeah but anyway that's the side note because I, I did spend like almost two months, one of the days doing the mm-hmm. helping the little pavilions on the island but um okay yeah but the festival wise uh i uh, seen only one full film but it was quite a sensation called painted mm-hmm. bird it's um made by the czech um director Václav Marhul, I think I pronounced it right. And it was a sensation because I think um, most of the, at least Guardian and some, like, I think, Amer- American publications, they reported on it as like a complete outraged, but, but a very strong, strong, powerful film and how many people walking were walking out <laughs> running or out. running out. They were running yeah. out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, yeah. I, in some kind of been like scared or outraged by what they saw. And okay. I was at the one, I definitely was not at the screening. They supposedly uh, report mm-hmm. people running from, because I think I was at, not at the first public screening, if, if they even not lying about it, because I don't know, what if they lie about people <laughs> running Because I think I was at the second yeah. public screening, and that one was pretty chill. A few people did come out, that's true, it's not, um, and actually, grandma next to us, mm-hmm. Yasha and me, uh, did storm out at some mm-hmm. point, uh, saying kind of what like an Italian, <laughs> what a piece of shit it is. <laughs> when uh, Udo Creer, uh, oh, there's well, Udo yeah. Creer in, uh-huh. uh, in the film playing uh, whatever, Polish or some kind of Slav peasant, uh, he is taking a spoon and taking <sighs> eyes out of of the man he supposedly thinks his wife might want to be mm. a lover with. Well, that's a weird say of way of putting. So he's like sort of jealous, and he takes his eyes out with a spoon. Um, yeah, okay. But to give some context to all this, so mm. Painted Bird is, um, in short, it's um, uh, kind of like I think it was best-selling, in fact, novel uh, by a Polish um, writer or Polish American because he immigrated to America and he wrote it in English, mm-hmm. actually, Jerzy yeah. Kaczynski. And I, I was a bit surprised how like no one around, at least the film, the director, and, and then you kind of changed it, didn't even I've mention seen no that mention. It was extremely I mean, almost contra- no mention. If you had no told mention, me, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, no mention. Yeah, but it's which is fine because I guess it's like assumed that you're supposed to know. But the the, the mentioning I, I I I'm talking about not even mm. of Jersey himself, but the fact that the novel was like extremely controversial because Jersey was at, at some point um, accused of plagiarism, and I think there are all this um, actually. Uh, yeah, I think it is proved basically that he plagiarized from different sources, but smartly from like a Polish, mm-hmm. he's Polish, from the Polish writers that wor- that that their work was never published, obviously mm-hmm. in English in the in the West, and so it is a weird kind of thing that I mean he was never fully taken down 
uh, in terms of like the book is sold under his name. But I think it was extremely contentious whether he's even like mm. a real writer. And with some of his other books, right. uh, the same thing happened because it, it turned out he was sort of like a definitely <laughs> a, a scammer in mm. many ways. And um, yeah, so but but that's just one thing. I guess who cares if it's a good book? And um, I, I read books and part book like a little bit, and it's definitely much better than the movie because okay, what is the movie? So the book is about a boy, like a nine or ten year old boy, a Jewish boy, who is left by his parents, um, who are scared that he, the, the boy might, I guess, get in, sent to concentration camp mm-hmm. too. Uh, they hide him in some, uh, with some, pol- in the, with Polish villagers, basically, an old Polish woman, hoping that, I guess, they pay her. Uh, it's not really explained, but they basically hope that he will manage mm-hmm. to live through the war somehow and they might reunite later. Mm-hmm. That's the premise that you don't even know immediately. And then what happens is the woman dies and basically the boy, for a few years, uh, has to survive in different mm-hmm. villages by meeting different people and staying with different strangers uh, and witnessing hor- mm-hmm. horrible uh, cruelties and all that and the war uh, before basically, um, um, what is it? Like, yeah, I guess actually the Russians, before mm-hmm. it all ends and they're liberated and he re- reunites with his dad. And I guess it's a, an interesting premise and it's a bit like almost some kind of Ivan's, you know, Tarkovsky, yeah. Ivan's childhood. You it can be a compelling story of a boy, of kind of the boys, um, like seeing the war from right. the boy's gaze, which definitely can be interesting. But in this case, it just was surprisingly just dull, three hour long, mm. kind of extremely just, I don't know, almost like overproduced, but underdeveloped yeah, story. Gorgeous, you know, black overproduced, and, obviously black and extremely white. expensive, yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, it's very gorgeous and extremely expensive. I uh, I can't I need, can't pull it up, but I don't remember mm. the budget. Very expensive. And the interesting part about that, it's like full of Hollywood <laughs> actors who are speaking <laughs> with a career. And uh, I need I need to know about you, but anyone can look them up. Who speak also not even in Polish. The whole movie no. is not in Polish, but in in the language that is was invented <laughs> for the film, and it's called Interslav. <sighs> Interslav language. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess the director might have like collaborated with some linguists. Who knows? But it does sound um, because you know, knowing Russian, you can understand a bit of mm. Czech, a bit of Polish. It does sound like a weird mumbo jumbo of that. And supposedly they did it, which is such a cowardly fucking move. Uh, he did it to not make the Polish people feel like I'm just the astounded, like, astounded they, they, by that. Which is like how you, how you even because I guess they wanted to also to sell. I don't know. Is it the financial concern? No, no, no. I don't know because it doesn't make sense. I don't think they can make that much money there. So who cares if Polish are the baddies? I think it might have been his also. Who knows? It might have been not a financial concern, but some some kind of other one because he's Czech. Who knows? He might have not felt like he might have wanted to show right. the region is very dark and equally disgusting. But in the book, it's it is about the right. Polish villagers. It's not about some, someone else. <laughs> So, yeah, but it, it, in terms of the this my disgust with the film mm-hmm. form, it was kind of just surprising. So it clearly took a lot of cues, even visually. I just don't want to be totally nerded out and talk about like mm-hmm. the mise-en-scene, but it stole so much from both mm-hmm. Tarkovsky and then Elam Klimov, um, mm-hmm. the director of right. Come and See, which is just mind-blowing how yeah. much it stole. And yet it's, it's not... 
it lacks any kind of feeling, mm. you know, the most important thing is the atmosphere and then you can imbue it with atmosphere just by stealing the mm. shots and having, doing having like that classic, yeah. you, you combine kind of, you know, violence porn with this heightened aesthetic and, and you're going to knock critics mm-hmm. over every time mm-hmm. they're going to feel, yeah, I mean, just even you sent me a review. I forget it was the guardian maybe at where, yeah, Garden, reporting I think, yeah. everyone walking out because there's there's so much that so ultra violence, um, you know, lingered over. It. But but at the end, going, oh yeah, but it's such an important film, you know, <laughs> stuttering over it and playing the masterpiece, you know, that's what we're going to be hearing. This is going to become one of those must see. Yeah, that is interesting combination. Kind of yeah. tell. Yeah, but that's an interesting thing because I guess yeah, there are violent moments, but not so many. I guess the eyes—that's what the, the little is, yeah. telegram I could not take was probably the worst. That that was kind of shown, but not yeah. even that much. But okay, that was the most violent. And all the other ones, really, you know, it was cut away the moment it really gets ah. supposed to get bloody, and then it always cut away. So he actually, but people never are still running really out. That's anything. amazing. Yeah, which that I, I I don't understand. Besides the eyes, it was really mm. not much shown at all. And uh, and the thing I think it just tried to manipulate you, I guess, psychologically with what you say with a heightened mm. aesthetic, um, with the pornographic mm. kind of violence. But then it's it's like none of it really succeeded. Like <laughs> that's, didn't that's touch the worst of all. either me or Yasha <laughs> at all. And I have to say, because I don't, I know I'm a hater, and everyone's like, I hate on everything. And that's kind of like my discredit my opinions. But I do have to say that I, once I started reading reviews after mm. I already watched it, um, a lot of like the Western and American press really mm. lauded it. And, yeah. As you said, like, oh, what a great film, despite like the violence. And then I looked um, at the Russian. Uh, film critics that were there sent from the Russian different mm. publications and I have to say they were t- 100% on my side <laughs> Good and, I, and 100% all of them called uh, on definitely different um, like similarities with the, <laughs> with the really great Russian war films mm-hmm. the ones I mentioned but also on this like weird mix of just like ridiculous surreal kind of talentless <laughs> talentless aesthetic of wow. this and um, I do have to say also like people probably know in the West come and see right and it's like a film you can't really kind of mm-hmm. like forget yeah, it's say, Jesus. and you know the director of it I don't yeah I, I don't want to again it's it's not 100% but like the director of it went through mm-hmm. the war yeah and um, you know and let's say Ivan's childhood um, Tarkovsky was like a mm-hmm. child of war he was like small obviously during the war but he definitely remembers so my point is also to probably imbue it with sort of summit to Syria you have to be I don't say you have to be the boy who's like who's encounters on those cruelties but you have to have to have some kind of idea of how what's the war mm-hmm. feeling is like and there's none of this in right. this film this guy is like I don't know he might be yeah. in his 50s and uh, went to some I don't know what is it some I think Prague yeah. film, film school mm-hmm. I don't even know why he <laughs> why he died just we're overdue for a war movie i literally of... was talking to the the war nerd guys yeah. mark ames and, and john dolan a while mm-hmm. back and we were like they were like well maybe you could come on again and i'm like yeah but what do i talk about like there ha- there hasn't been a major war movie in a while i was like we need a war well, movie this is the war this movie. Is i was gonna pitch it this to is the war because i'm totally want to see it for one thing i've got a i've got a you know what oh, you ahead. have to see no, it tell in, me. yeah yeah no no i think you probably will have well 
will have your own. Oh, I already <laughs> hate the preview. Knows. Everything you've said, yeah. I was already anticipating yeah. from seeing the preview, even though it's got Barry Pepper and I'm a big yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah, so Pepper. that will help me a little. And <laughs> I'm not going to like it. Yeah. Oh, you know what I also did, which is like, I don't know if he thought, I guess it's a smart move. He used uh, the boy who played the main part in mm-hmm. Come and See uh, <gasps> there as well. Now he's like oh, a man no in his, what, 40s? Yeah, yes, playing a Russian um, Russian Red Army officer who kind of is fairly kind to the main character, wow. to the boy. Oh, no, I'm way more interested. Instructs that him was great. On, <laughs> I know. But he instructs him on, like, Stal- he's basically a Stalinist, and he shows him as a kind of Red Army Stalinist dummy. Wow. Damn, you know okay. Why? Yeah, it was really weird. In the film, I guess the strong part, I don't know if you know, uh, do you like Julian Sands? Well, I'm, I'm iffy. Right? Yeah. Julian Sands, the British actor. <laughs> He's not he's a great actor, but occasionally he does something that's kind of cool. He's kind of, I guess, somewhat funny that he oh, plays yeah. like, a, yeah, like a, a, a pedophile. But there was no even cruelty yeah. shown. For instance, like the, any kind of pedophilic act was shown that he just comes out of the room where the boy lies on the bed and he kind of like ties up his He's like hasn't pent. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all. No, just in terms of even right. the cru- I don't know the psychological yeah. trauma you're supposed to to feel. But anyway, so the movie was uh, kind of I don't know. It's just like I really, I really fucking hated the director, and he was there, and he and people at the end, the ones who remained, definitely applauded a lot, and he was so proud, and he even went into. I kind of I was wondering, is he? Does he feel like he's a rock star? He went into the oh crowd. Oh my god! Kind of from his like yes, yes, yes. And and like he did shake a few hands and he kind of like oh. <laughs> was bombing down in all directions, you know, as if he's like a great some kind of conductor oh. or it was some, some like genius. Oh, that's so embarrassing! <laughs> what oh. symphony? It was very. It was somehow very oh. embarrassing. Yeah, and uh, and the woman. It was weird. I'm wondering who is the woman next mm. to him. I guess she before the screening, mm. right before she was in this huge red dress like some kind of like horrifically large almost like she looked i don't even know i wouldn't call it a princess <laughs> uh, but it's basically this huge thing that goes right like uh from your waist uh oh, way out there oh, and very bright oh, yeah. Right? yeah yeah yeah, kind of like that yes <laughs> but and then i'm like mm, who is she and then i watched the movie and her only role there despite her being trying to attract uh, all the attention towards herself uh was like the village kind of nymphomaniac oh, who who like a little bit on the screen like sleeping with different uh, like village men and then uh getting attacked by their women and it's implied again not shown that um, like a bottle was shoveled oh. into her vagina. So it's all sorts of implied Cut. horrors. She, she and then they implied. Cut at the end. Yeah. Implied horrors. You kind of like, all oh, right, that's, I guess that's yeah. what they're going to do. It's all implied <laughs> horrors. And it's all like, it's also my last take on it and then we can move on. But it's basically very kind of forest gump. <laughs> movie too because he's everywhere. the boy there's no he's, plot he's really is everywhere a for a few years everywhere. moving from yes and it's all kind of I guess yeah I guess it's like last for like a few years last few years of war and and it also feels weird because he goes from one weird, weird like village or situation like Russian officer Nazi mm. like village nymphomaniac to this to that and it seems like in between that there is no life which I'm not sure it was like that Eastern Europe was pretty like jammed mm-hmm. together and it feels like they all kind of this weird a secluded hermits, you know, living. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He finds like some woman, lives with her, finds a guy, and they're like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, and not only farmhouse, farmhouse, yes, but also there's nothing around, and it seems like 
they just live alone and they take him in and abuse him and then he moves on and someone else takes him and abuse him and it's like all right so there's like one person lives in this five kilometer (laughs) (laughs) and yeah so anyway i I can obviously go on and on but you should see it and and i didn't actually I didn't disclose too many cruelties. There's plenty more to go. Okay, good. You know, God. I love mine. So you can like sort of at least kind of wait and enjoy that. Yeah. And it's like with weird eyes and stuff. Oh, okay. That's you like my way bigger theory buff than me. Because it also felt um, that he kind of was somewhat inspired by Eisenstein, mm. but in the worst way because he did this like a very recognizable Eisenstein mm-hmm. in close ups to reveal something about mm-hmm. the character. You know, and the, but but it just was so Whoa. comic. That's not the problem with this movie. Most of the time, it was like horrifically oh. comic, unintended. Oh my god! So. I'm actually starting to look forward to I, seeing this because you're making it sound so hilariously <laughs> terrible. Oh my yeah, god. but which <laughs> which makes me think. I mean, do you do you think like the style of Eisenstein uh-huh. montage and also shooting, uh-huh. not just montage? Do you think it aged kind of n- rather well, poorly? Well, I'm torn by it. I mean. Because some like of that works I, I, it's through the lens of teaching, of course, and what you can get students to be interested yep. in. And simply because of the pace, students would mm-hmm. like it better and get into it, you know, especially you know, the, the really famous, you know, peripatetic, tiny, tiny shots. Um, so that really worked well for them. So I was always kind of grateful to Eisenstein that he picked up the pace. I mean, pacing is huge for, for younger people. And they're, they just die through most earlier eras of film history. But the Soviet montage artists, especially Eisenstein and especially, especially Vertov, mm-hmm. they come right yep. awake. They're like completely familiar and, and, and you can see them all engage again. So I was always very grateful to him for that. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that I guess that makes sense at least. Yeah, you can see their hearts start <laughs> again. <Yeah>. You know? <laughs> They're so bored. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We'll tell one last cool. thing. Tell um, about the. F- all right, I should the, stop. We'll tell up quickly about uh-huh. the fabulous um, Pierre Cardin hosted. Um, what was it? The premiere party, right? For the pr- for the premiere of the film, which by yes, the way, the, the, the House of Cardin part. got a standing ovation. <laughs> um, Pierre Cardin loved it. He was seeing it. I think the complete film for the first time at the screening he had 80 some some astronomical number of comp seats to bring in all of his hugely influential <laughs> friends from the world of art and entertainment and everything else and yeah it got a big standing ovation and it was i guess it was a big deal and of course todd and p david were over the moon um but at any rate then then the party and so tell about that yeah okay i don't have that much <laughs> to say because i in the end i didn't stay there for too long and todd and uh p, p. david I, I briefly talked only to p david because they were sort of yeah, like of surrounded by people and like dragged in all directions <laughs> and all that yeah but uh, <laughs> in short i'll tell you so it was in the heart of uh, the venice island and uh it turned out a few days before we actually i went to the party i walked by the house and uh, because it was like a Pierre Cardin little storefront and I was like oh yeah it's the Pierre Cardin storefront and I just didn't remember much but then when I looked at the party address I realized it's right there <laughs> and what, what it turned out to be is that the storefront is actually just part of the kind of like the frontal the front part of the castle of Pierre Cardin where the party took place and um, when the party um, at the eve of the party basically the day of the party the big kind of like gates of his castle were open and you could tell that you can get in there because before it wasn't even, I don't know, it was somehow not obvious because it's such an old um, school, old world tall wall that partially opens to let you in 
in. It feels very much like a real wow. small castle. <laughs> and so, yeah, we were let in there. Um, even though I think we were not like dressed necessarily <laughs> very yeah but i was like well i don't know what am i gonna try too hard <laughs> also a fatal error so you're probably right <laughs> yeah probably shouldn't yeah. try to either you do it right or just like shouldn't yeah. try or like yeah i don't know this way you will probably stand out because people will be like well who is this sloppy looking person they have some nerve to show up here <laughs> They should be someone important <laughs> if they're here looking that way. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we were there and it was definitely a bit of a feeling um, of um, isolated shot kind <laughs> which of is the environment, <laughs> which, which I, I, what I'm saying, I'm referring not to the sex party, but to just even the first, no, 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 not that, but the first party mm-hmm. where I just I remember when he was invited, he's just a doctor and he's invited by this, uh, mm-hmm. what's Sidney Pollock's character? is just Christmas Eve party and it's sort of like a bit out of his league and he's like thinking what am I uh-huh, doing uh-huh. here and uh, there are like fancy kind of guests but here it was, was weird yeah people there were some fancy guests but since it's like so removed from Hollywood most of it was very Euro it's like very like mm. Italian so I don't I don't necessarily I don't I don't know anyone I don't know if anyone was like mm. famous there or, or what um, we did meet a few people who were like easy obviously to reach because they were not so busy from the uh, Tad and P. David mm. uh, circle just from mm. Palm Springs Holly right. and Palm Springs and they were they were just yeah, they were just like they're the, the usual Hollywood, I guess, mm-hmm. professionals. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just I don't know, talking to some sound person. Yeah, but um, but it, in terms of the glamour, I definitely could see that um, it was uh, what is it? It's a, this two-storied, two-storied. Yeah, it's for the castle. I guess rather small, mm-hmm. two-storied house. But then there was like an extra. There was an, like an, an extra wing mm-hmm. of the house, and to get in there, there were like a few kind of guards. That's where it was all going there. down. But no, no, no. But you could you <laughs> could walk by. They don't. Yeah, but they they don't talk to you. I even like walked by inside, like following kind of P. David for no, no, no. I think I was following Todd. I don't know. And but then it was very awkward because I could see. Okay, you're in the swing of a house, and then in the side of the swing, there's like a room where people are having Ooh. dinner, and it's definitely like at the table so it would be walk weird in. to like walk in into people having dinner because I think somewhere in the corner I didn't look I, I guess probably Pierre Cardin was somewhere at uh-huh. that table yeah. with that crowd so at the table yeah so I, I don't know so there was definitely some like partially exclusive um, ah. some exclusive dinner party but outside of the dinner party which was just like a dinner it was just normal I don't, I don't know what he's supposed to do we we'll just talk briefly about it like we're supposed to smooth with people it's I don't know always a burning just question what the hell do you do in these campaigns <laughs> and I'm not even sure and they will look it's definitely very like overall it's very it was like fashion kind of gay mm-hmm. party like m- more than more than anything and I don't know like I guess I'm not that interested in fashion so I'm not sure how am I am I, am I supposed to talk about fashion <laughs> to people uh, I just found out that the Pierre Cardin invented the dress, you know, I'm like very, <laughs> I'm very kind of new to this, but it was, I mean, it was interesting. The, the few models who were working the doors, there, just like uh, almost, they're like mannequins oh. kind of standing. They were wearing this original Pierre yeah. Cardin dress. It was kind of interesting to see and in person, but in the modern day, like was in, it like in the, space, the space age looking it, it, dress? thing yeah. kind of no the, the no no the more like the bell oh, the bell the dress, dress you know because like, a little dress that ends with yes. a bubble dress bubble yes, dress yes. that's right you see i can't even 
I, I can't, I don't even know the correct name. Yeah, the bubble dress. I think the space, no, no one they was, it was more, uh -huh. more, more, non, yeah, they were now doing the space mm. theme thing, more like classic bubble dress. It looked, it looked kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, and there was like a huge uh, part of the first uh, floor of the house, like they opened kind of like the things that opens to the uh, mm. garden. There was this huge glass canoe. Remember it from the documentary? Oh, yes. Yes, did yes, you, yes. I think did it you get to that? Yeah, it oh, stands cool. there. It just stands oh, there. Oh. Yeah, and his, I think, nephew runs around kind of giving interviews to some, I don't know, media uh. people with cameras about this canoe, this <laughs> and that. It, I mean, it looks funny. I wonder, yeah, I guess you can take it to the canals. <laughs> like a huge glass canoe just next to the, yeah, wow. next to the table Shut with up. food. Yeah, yeah so, I, oh, and another thing, but that's, I mean, I... I it's Pierre Cardin, he's huge. I don't accuse him of megalomania, but the uh, front, like the hot, there was, I guess, I don't know how many projectors, like at mm -hmm. least a few, and they were projecting, I guess, parts mm -hmm. of the movie uh, right on the front wow. of the house. So if you like in nice. the uh, front yard, kind of like further away from the wall of the house, you can look up and there would be, but it seems like they mixed a few projectors. So sometimes it would be like twice repeated the image of P younger Pierre Cardin uh -huh. talking, which is very sort of like kind oh, of surreal well filled with envy <laughs> you're used to those like big shot hollywood parties how did you do that? like what did you do that did you try to smooth oh, sell your so script miserable. i fucking hated it of course because what are you supposed to oh, do god there? i never cracked it i never cracked because because the hierarchies are so fucking clear i mean the, the biggest mm -hmm. one i ever went to was at penny marshall penny marshall and carrie fisher had it mm -hmm. every year a shared birthday and they alternate houses so this year it was at penny marshall so i got to huh. go there just because i was trying to be in an indie company with penny's daughter tracy so that's how i wound up and philippe get went and other people we were working with all got invited to this party which was wall-to-wall -wall stars and big shots and yeah they are all jostling to get at the a-listers it's it's shocking we, you're not you might as well be servant class you no one wants to talk to you <laughs> so right away early on you're just like okay i'm i'm a spectator here that, that's what i i just get to watch and you're, I was literally watching people trying to crash, like, it was like high school, but for, you know, rich, famous people trying to get into the knot that includes Warren Beatty and, you know, big power players and big star. Then it was, you know, Meg Ryan was still pretty famous, you know, they're in the A uh -huh. group and you see the kind of B-listers clustering around trying to find ways to get into a better group. And so we just watched it. But when you say group, yeah, like they're physically, physically, you mean like people standing, standing around? around? It was so boring. Or See, I was hoping eyes wide shut. <laughs> it was so boring. And I hope that somewhere in the house was the drug taking and all the everything that was going on. Yeah, I didn't yeah, see yeah. any. It was the worst kind of... Somebody said, well, you know, everyone's 12-stepping. It's probably why. You missed like the, you know, Carrie Fisher was totally sober at that point. You know, they'd all gone through their ma massive drug... They're all huge druggies, Penny Marshall. Yeah, they all were. Yeah. But they had all gone sober. And they stood around like it was a company party and just talked politely. And I was just like, I'm at the biggest Hollywood party right. I'll ever be at. I mean, everybody. There were people there. Samuel L. Jackson was there. I was standing next to Farrah Fawcett in the line for the for the bath. I mean, it was just stars everywhere you looked. And it was so fucking boring that it really disillusioned me. I was like, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> but I mean, like the boring, yeah, that they were all, I guess, post their yeah. drag face. Or but, I don't know. But or I guess maybe that I, was the more yeah. public space. That's, I kept thinking, I wonder if in the upstairs bedrooms uh-huh. it's all going down. But, yeah, what I about that? Because like, it gave me feel, okay, there's like some serving like mm. food. Like, I don't know. It's, there's like a com- commoners, but it, like obviously VIP commoners right. are even there. Yeah. <laughs> some kind. And then, and then it's all going down upstairs. Yeah, and it was catered elaborately, and there was a pe- woman playing piano, and you know, it was, it was all very it was a respectable show kind of thing where I was. Yeah, but you know what I'm also curious. Yeah, okay, you found it boring, but overall parties like that. This was probably was very lead, but other parties like that. Are you supposed as a kind of like industry up and comer mm-hmm. in whatever? like let's say screenwriter or some another capacity are you supposed to like professionally smooth there or that's not no my understanding is you like, are is always where, supposed to be professionally yeah. smoothing and but you have to figure out how to do it in such a way in a not unobtrusive yes. way because you're not supposed to be like hey exactly. here's my project that's, that's so people right. who are good at it find ways to i don't know it's a it's an art i i was never any good at but it's like do cocaine, especially drugs used to really help because if you could just be doing cocaine with people and get to be on a friendly basis with them, then you could kind of sidle in. Because you, but yeah. on the other hand, people would other who are you know I'd meet other people would be like you have to. How often are you ever going to have that person there? And I'm like, yeah, but they hate it. You can tell when you watch someone else do it. I mean, like I was with Soderbergh. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh was our executive producer on Suture, and and I remember someone berating me, going, "How can you be in rooms with Soderbergh?" You know because we'd be at he would come to all of our little events and not be pitching him yeah. and i'm like and he's like what did you talk about the weather and i said yeah we talked about the a little bit about the weather a little about movies we'd seen you just get this look on their face where they're like they get that all the time i mean i i never figured out how you do it well i never did which is why i'm not in the movie business <laughs> i just could not figure out an, an entree that was gonna work ever and I'm bad with authority God, and power yeah, I mean, anyway. I, I have so much class resentment. Because you kind of have to acknowledge that <laughs> yes. it's there, but then like but then dance around it because you have you to don't, acknowledge it. But you never get too familiar. It's so complicated that I just never handled it well. I mean, yeah. It, you know, it would have been, I was just thinking, it would have been much in some ways easier with this authority stuff if we still lived in a more like Woodhouse universe. Where it's clear. very clear cut, you know. <laughs> but here it's like everyone Pretending is Pretending to be you know, democratic all- and we're all friends <laughs> yes, here. Yes, it's yes. just like, yeah, yeah. It's really miserable. And and in Europe, I think it's a bit still closer to that old clear cut mm. ways because, you know, because it's not America. They never pretended right. to be. <laughs> to be- to, <laughs> to be all equal. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So just fair warning to everyone. This is going to be our longest episode ever. I think we're going to be probably pushing three hours. So if you want to split it in two, that's probably a wise move. Um, but it's so worth it. Yeah. And we'll see you in, uh, again in two weeks. Okay. Bye-bye. have with us an illustrious guest, Bill Kinder, who had a, a long and um, remarkable career um, at Pixar that spanned, I believe, 18 years. Uh, so we're really fascinated to talk to him about that hugely dominant company in the in the animation world and his experiences there. And let's just start off by trying to, de- to define mainly what you did there, Bill. You had, um, you know, 
slightly varied credits over a long career, but they tended to circle around basically um, director of editing and post-production credits. Um, and and that's, you know, vital in ways maybe a lot of people don't know about animation and post and editing. Those are areas that people tend to not know a lot about. So that would be great if we could delve into what what exactly that, that means and what you did and what your contributions were. Sure. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. I, I've really enjoyed listening to Film Suck. I think you guys are like the finest minds in film podcasting Aww. out there. I've always enjoyed your conversations. <laughs> I always walk away with a list of, you know, films that I didn't know about or filmmakers that I need to know more about. So um, uh, I'm honored to be your guest and I can hardly represent Pixar. I'm hardly the Pixar episode, but it's the I'll anti, be the anti-Pixar. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, no. <laughs> the editing side of Pixar for sure, mm-hmm. editing and post, and and that's what I did at at Pixar, and it, it did have a kind of arc to it over those years of yeah ninety six to fourteen, 14. Um, and you know it, the the arc was from tiny renegade unknown company in an industrial park to you know, the behemoth that everybody thinks of today as the gigantic, you know, Pixar slash Disney. Um, and so, you know, when I started, it was uh, right at the beginning of the sophomore effort for Pixar, A Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. Toy Story had kind of put them on the map. They came out of nowhere, made this movie called Toy Story that everybody uh, went nuts for. And, um there was a lot of pressure to prove in the sophomore effort that um, this wasn't a fluke, this wasn't a one-off because the creative leadership of the company had had aspirations to, to keep doing this. They had lots of movies they wanted to make. Um, and the, the vibe at that time 